0: Chapter 2 and verse 1. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. Thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness, is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man therefore entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be the soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he cried lawfully. Pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. Um, we have our theme of focus for this year developed um, from your word in this passage. And just pray, Lord, that um, you help me, Lord, to implement this as the under shepherd and just uh, um, in training uh, men and women. In, in Jesus' name, amen. And so our theme this year, based on this verse, verses. Commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul is giving Timothy a task to um, commit the Word of God. As we see, I commit to the Word of God, as it says in, in verse um, 2 And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also and that god used paul to write scripture we see peter recognized paul's writings as holy scripture and, and so we're to commit the word of god um, to you commit the word of god to the people but very specifically says so to commit to faithful men the faithful uh, men. primary first we see a commit to the word of god 1 Corinthians 1 17, go ahead and turn there, commit to the word of God, 1 Corinthians 1 17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And now God is commissioned, Christ has commissioned the church to preach the gospel, to baptize, and to teach everything that Christ has taught us. But Paul here very specifically does point out that his primary role wasn't simply to try and get the baptism numbers up, but was to preach the gospel.
1: One thing that's key in this passage
0: is is to show that baptism does not bring salvation if baptism was part of our the sanctification of our soul of, of redemption of salvation this would not make sense for paul to say i was not sent to baptize but to preach the gospel it would not make sense if it was necessary for salvation now when we see in the bible that believers got baptized pretty quickly Absolutely. There wasn't a a six month waiting class. We see they get saved and then not people would typically get baptized um, right away. But it's a symbol of the um, death, burial and resurrection, but does not bring sanctification to the soul. But we see that Paul's commitment was to preach the gospel, the preaching of the cross. Is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved. It is the power of God. And so Paul, like in Timothy, is what he's telling them is, you need to be preaching the gospel. This is what needs to be the focus, is preach the gospel. As we talked a little bit on last week, 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and sort with all long suffering and doctrine. Paul's command in Timothy was to preach the word. It wasn't to simply um, talk about your best selling book of the day, but it was to preach the word, instant in season and out of season. And so when it's popular, you know what, be faithful to preach the word. What is unpopular? Continue to be faithful to preach the word. And what Paul is saying is, The word that you may grow thereby you know when someone first gets saved you know, it, I think it's exciting to be around people that just get saved you know you know they're not all critical of things that maybe aren't just done right um, they're not noticing you know maybe all my slip ups my while all my preaching. Um, they're just excited, they're on fire, and they just want to learn, they want to um, soak up and learn all of the Bible they can learn. And as where the Bible says this, newborn babes, is, is babes in Christ, desire the sincere milk of the Word. Why? That he may grow thereby.
1: You know i guess
0: part of our spiritual growth is assembling together not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together cement our summons. but the bible says so much to more as we see the day of approaching what day christ coming back you know we should be gathered in church more and more it should become more of a priority not less of a priority and well that's important for us really to grow we need to, as Christians, to be in the Word of God on our own. Now, we need to be reading the Bible at home, leading our family um, in family devotions, um, in teaching the, the, your wives, teaching your children um, the Word of God. And so as newborn babes, we're to desire the Word of God. But now turn to Hebrews 5. God does not intend for us to only stay on the milk of the word for life. Now, if I say anything, you know it. we should have a healthy diet, okay? You know what, we should um, read the word of God. There's gonna be some things that are simple, basic, fundamental truths, and there's gonna be some doctrines in scripture that are gonna be a little bit more deep. Um, it's gonna take more study to be able to really reconcile, be able to figure out, um, but go ahead to Hebrews five in verse 12, Says, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, not of strong meat. For everyone that use of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, but strong meat. Belong of to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so here, uh, if Paul is the writer, there's speculation on who's the writer of Hebrews, parts, um, we to think it may be Paul, some think it may be someone else. Uh, but we do know that it's the Holy Scripture that God has inspired for us. But he tells them that the time has come when he ought to be teachers. That you have, should have grown in the word of God where you are no longer fed feeding just on the milk of the word. And you know, if we just drank milk our whole life, you know, it probably wouldn't be a good idea. You know, probably not going to get very well. No, you know, baby Abigail, drinking milk right now, okay? From the bottle, And, and so, you know what? That, if that babe only drank milk her entire life, her growth would be stunned. And it's the same way with our spiritual life. If, if we're on milk forever, just the basic things, elementary things of the Christian faith, then it's gonna hinder our um, growth uh, process in the, in the Lord. And so he's telling them some of you ought to be teachers by like Some of you should be teaching the word of God, but you're unskillful in the word, because you're you're still as a babe, that that there no longer should be babes in Christ, that they should be grown, but they're not. Who's recently been saved um, in the last year? Anybody in the last year? Okay, okay, we got one. Okay. Okay? Rex, I got a question for you, okay? I'm gonna put you on the hot spot, okay? Okay? What is the doctrinal debate between a dichotomy and a trichotomy of the soul? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I didn't expect you to know. Okay? Okay? Is the baby in Christ? Okay, he's probably not gonna know. Um, what that is. And now some of you might be like, I've been saved for a long time and I still don't know what that is. Okay? So, all right, anybody know what is a dichotomy or a trichotomy? Anybody know? Maybe all babes, maybe we got no, that's, Some of these are just man made words um, to describe things. The way you do research and figure out what that is, you um, can't just tell you everything, right? And on dichotomy, it basically is the view that, okay, we have a body and we have a soul slash spirit. That soul and spirit are the same thing. Trichotomy has the view that we have a body, a soul, and a spirit, okay, that there's three parts and that we're all as um, one. Okay? And so as we grow in this our Christian life, okay, as a newborn Christian, you know what Rust might not be able to bring up five verses that describe the nature of the Trinity, of the Godhead. Okay? And hopefully there's others in the church that have been saved for a while, would be able to do some research and be able to come up with it. And maybe some would be able to come up with verses pretty quickly. And so Paul's saying, you know what? Some of you should be teachers by now, but you're not yet, because you're unskillful in the Word, you haven't grown thereby, but a Christian that's grown thereby on the sincere milk of the Word, there's going to be times where you're able to eat a little bit of meat of the Word, and then a little bit more, and and then be able to have more of a meat diet of the Word of God. So, and, and and ones that are able to be exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, I remember there were times where, you know, my pastor would give warnings about certain things, and as a new Christian, I was like, I don't see what the big deal is. But, you know, there was discernment that he had because of being in the Word of God on a consistent basis and growing and faithful to teach the Word of God um, that he would be able to see things that I was unable um, to see at the time. And so that may be the case where, you know, as a new Christian in the church, there may be others in the church that maybe are more spiritually mature and grown in the Lord where they may be able to discern Between good and evil. Our commitment is to be committed to the Word of God. A commitment to teach, to preach the Word of God, not my opinions, not simply my thoughts, but to preach the Word of God. A balance of milk and the meat. There's going to be some things where maybe I mention it on Sunday and it might go over some people's heads. And other people, they might be like, oh, that's something I never thought of, or, you know, or that's good preaching. And be able to grow and learn from it. And so, in being committed to the word of God, it says, and the things, in verse 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou, to you, it says, to faithful men. Commit to faithful men. Matthew 18, Let's go ahead and look up that passage. Matthew 18, 11. Matthew 18, 11 says, this is our theme last year, for the Son of Man is to come to save that which was lost. How thank ye? if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth He not lead the ninety and nine and go up into the mountains, and seek of that which is gone astray. And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoice of more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. And if so it is not the will of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Okay? Shepherds are to care for all of their sheep. And, and I'm sure, sure as parents, you know, if one of your children went missing, you're going to go try and look for that child. Okay? Maybe you had to leave your other children at home, you're going to go try and find that missing child. And I remember one time, you know, it was just at Sears at the time when there was Sears in Shehawis, and I um, was in our, down our vehicle, had my son with me. Got in the vehicle and drove off before he could even get in the vehicle. And just was starting to head home. And then I started to talk to my son, but he wasn't there. And so I'm like, hello. And I was like, oh no, he didn't get in the car. So I went back around and it was a one way street. And then there's a distance, it was in this stairs area by the movie theaters over there. And so it's a one way street. Until so I see him in the distance. And some guy came up to him, and said, your dad, did he just leave you? He's like, yeah, yeah, do he you need help? And he's like, no, he went in this store and I think was gonna try to call somebody. But uh, he had to wait for me, and drive all the way back around, which isn't too far, but he may not know that's when I'm going. He might think I'm just taking off and leaving, okay? I had to go back and find my lost seat. okay? You know, I, I found where he was pretty quick. But you know, a shepherd cares for the sheep. Okay, a, a pastor, an under-shepherd. You know, Jesus is the chief shepherd. Um, pastors are, is a term of a, meaning a shepherd. A shepherd ought to care for the sheep. And there's times where, you know, people may slip through the cracks, you know, and maybe someone gets discouraged, and, you know, maybe they get out of the church. You know, the pastor's job, you know, the shepherd's responsibility is to check on, you know, to see how, how are they doing? Are they um, are they discouraged? You know, did they die? You know, what, what happened um, to them? Did they find another church and they're going somewhere else? Um, but to show care, to show concern, you know, sometimes in our trustee meetings, you know, I'll ask, hey, is there anybody that you recognize that has not been in church? Lately, just in case someone totally did slip my mind. And sometimes we have their contact information, sometimes um, we don't. But the shepherd should go try to see okay, is everything okay? You know, are, are, are their needs um, being met? Okay, so the pastor should chase after that one that maybe has gone astray. However, there sometimes ends up being the wrong focus, where a shepherd could be so focused on it's not a sheep that is technically lost. Okay? It's not like they're just gone astray in that sense, but maybe they're just not faithful. They're they're, they're just not committed. And as for the Bible calls for pastors to be committed to the faithful more than being consumed about who is not here. Okay, we got more empty seats here than full seats. Okay, should a pastor care about who's not here? Absolutely. But instead of being so focused on that, the pastor should be focused on, okay, well, who did take the time to be here, who is showing faithfulness that they want to learn, and they want to grow, and not worry about the one that maybe doesn't have being assembled together as a priority. That's where the Bible says, Commit thou to faithful men." The Bible is for pastors who have an emphasis on training those who are faithful. And faithfulness is found in the little things. Okay? Okay? On Luke 16, um, Jesus gives a parable and He says, he, in verse 10, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And okay, you know, if you're faithful in the little things, most likely you are going to be faithful in the bigger tasks. Okay. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Okay, you know, you take someone that routinely still is the candy bar in this store. You know, it used to be like 10 cents, now they're like $3 for a pack of candy, okay? That's one way to help cut sugar out of your diet is inflation, I And mean, So the Bible says, give thanks in all things. So you can thank inflation for that as long as you're saving your money by not spending on those things. But then it goes up more because then there's less people buying it. But someday it has to calm down, right? But, um, Uh, And being faithful in the little thing, what I'm saying is, if someone was to steal like a candy bar, they're probably going to be willing to steal something that's more significant. That's why, you know, when you have children, you know, when, you know, I had a child where, whether it was an accident or not, I don't remember, it's been a long time, but one of them had a candy bar in their pocket and 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 we went out the store and so we had to teach them and train them and say, no, we don't put something in our pocket um, when, when we're in the store until after we paid for it. And so we had them come back to the store, apologize, and and and, and bring it back. And then they're like, oh no, well, you go ahead and keep it because they're not wanting to take that back in. And so it's like, okay, well now you pay for it. And so if they're not if they don't learn then, young. They'll be unjust, unrighteous, in the bigger issues. They'll be willing to defraud others and still. And so Jesus uses finances as an example here. He says, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's. Who shall give you that which is your own? Okay, that with finances, if you're not faithful in in your stewardship, why would God give you more? If you're not faithful in how you're stewarding something that is another's, okay? Say, for example, you borrow some type of equipment from a neighbor, and you're not careful with it, you break it and you don't replace it, that neighbor is <coughs> probably not going to want to loan you equipment in the future. You've been unfaithful in the little things. They were unfaithful in that which was another's. And so God shows that, you, you know, if we're faithful in the little things, then God may bless with much. You see the parable of those um, that had the talents, the one with one talents, five talents, ten talents. The one with 10 talents went and made 10 more. Um, The one with five invested and made five more. But the one with one, instead of investing it, buried it. It's like I knew you were not serving, that you were a hard man. And I didn't want to lose it, so I just kept it here. When the Lord wanted them to multiply it, to make the interest, to make the the dividends. And, And so to be faithful in that which we have, God will then According to his will, his good pleasure will reward as he um, sees fit. Faithfulness is found in the little things. In the choosing of deacons, we see in 1 Timothy 3.10, it says, And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon be in found blindness. Selecting a leader, a servant leader is a deacon it wasn't just hey let's just select someone to be a deacon it was let these first be true let these be men that are already proven themselves that basically they are already serving in the role of a deacon without being in the role of a deacon that they're already a servant they're already being someone that is faithful and then when you've seen them be faithful then maybe give them an official appointment as such. Let him turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians Ephesians four and verse ten, speaking of Christ. Says, He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that He might fill all things. And He gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Okay, so there were different offices in the early church that um, Christ had given to the church, His gifts to the church. And what were they for? It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Okay? Well, what were the apostles given for? The prophets at the time, and evangelists, and the pastors and teachers? It was for the perfecting of the saints, like we speaking of equipping of the saints. Okay, the perfecting, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so, responsibility of a pastor slash teacher isn't for him. To be the one doing all the ministry of the church. That's what the wife does. She does all the ministry. Is that kidding and I'm not kidding. And my wife does a lot in the ministry here
1: and definitely
0: appreciate um, all the labor that she does here. But you know, the pastor's family isn't to be the one doing all the work of the ministry. You know as one preacher said a staff um, run church is a staff growing church when they, the church official staff doing everything. The pastors are rather given for the perfecting of the saints, the, the growth of the saints, and the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so my responsibility is to do a better job of equipping you to do the work of the ministry. To help develop you to be prepared for different works of the ministry. Can you imagine? We commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also that maybe we'll be able to start a jail ministry. And again, jobs not for a pastor to do all the teaching engagements, but maybe we have a man, a, a couple, that yeah, maybe would be willing to go to the, to the jail as we find an open door, and to be able to either on a weekly or on a monthly basis, to be able to minister to those in jail. Or it could be a nursing home. And I remember as a teenager teaching and preaching in a nursing home.
1: They didn't care that I didn't
0: know what I was talking about. They were just thankful and grateful to have somebody that would come and preach the Bible to them. Because they could no longer go and attend church themselves. They were in the nursing home, and so they appreciated that. Maybe we could establish some of those words of ministry here. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ, and so here again, it's not for the pastor to be the only one edifying the body. Pastors are supposed to try to help equip you so you could edify the body, the rest of the church, to use your talents, your skills that God has gifted you in, and to edify the body of Christ. And part of this purpose is, too, that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro with every wing of doctrine. You know, as we develop others to be teachers, to be skilled, to be mature in the Word of God, they're less likely to be deceived from any, every one doctrine that may be out there. Okay? The purpose of a church isn't to simply have the pastor that knows the Bible and the layman are just barely knowing the Bible. God wants us all to be mature and to know the Bible. Some churches in history, um, and today, they do have the mindset. Only the priests, only the pastors, can know how to interpret the Bible. And that they put their trust, their judgment, um, on the pastor instead of searching the things themselves. And that's why the Bible says, you know, they were more noble. Um, in Thessalonica, or in and they were in Thessalonica, that they searched the scriptures daily whether the things were so. Okay? They received the word with readiness, but they went and they studied and wanted to pay attention to it. Is this really what's being taught? And then they, when it was, they rejoiced.
1: They were like, okay, these
0: teachers, they were faithful to teaching the word of God, but they did not put all their trust in interpretation. On the preachers. They were to be self-feeders, feeding off the word of God. And if we have more teachers developed in our church, we're less likely to have people that would be led astray. That the pastor's not the only one that's looked at is maybe some conservative theologian, up but people are like, oh well, you know what the Bible does teach this. The Bible does teach that. Okay, so we would not easily be easily deceived. We're to be commit, committed to the multiplication of servant leaders. We're going to turn to Mark chapter 3. And we're to be, to be committed to the word of God. That's what we're supposed to be teaching and preaching. We're to be committed to faithful men, those that are faithful. And yes, we chase after the one that's lost, 99. but it's one that, that really just don't have that much of an interest. The focus should be on uh, being committed to the faithful, and then also being committed to the multiplication of servant leaders. Mark 3.13, we see Jesus, and he go up into a mountain, and call unto him who he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve. That they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. We see that Jesus didn't call of the five thousand that were fed. Which well, surely there were more than five thousand. It says there were five thousand men and there were women and children beside him. Could have been around twenty thousand people, maybe more people that Jesus fed with a Few fish and loaves. And that miracle similar was done twice. Um, it's recorded in Scripture, not just one time. But we don't see it was all of them that Jesus invested in as far as is intimately as close of a time with. He had twelve. Twelve men that was shown to be faithful, okay? But he ordained them that they would be with him to follow him to then go preach to cast out devils to heal the sick 12 people were with Jesus on a regular basis he committed himself to a smaller group yes he invested in the thousands but he started with a small group and he ministered to them For three and a half years, spending time with them. He trained 12 men. And while he taught the multitudes, we see that he committed most of his time teaching and training his 12 apostles. Ministry always involves transmission. It was transmitted, we can later see, from Jesus to Paul, and from Paul to Timothy. Now Timothy is given the responsibility to transmit it to others, who in turn will be faithful in continuing the process of teaching others. Also, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter two, verse forty-one. We see the apostles. We see on the day of Pentecost. that you know what, they were faithful to prayer. That they were. Teach and preach the word of God, and in Acts 2.41, we see that they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And now this kind of makes sense on why Jesus invested um, most of his time in twelve men instead of all of his time with the thousands. It was being with faithful few. Twelve. Of course, we don't want them to not be betrayed. But we see twelve the time, and then in the eleven, and then we see Matthias would be chosen later. We see Paul would be an apostle unto the Gentiles. That they were faithful to teaching and preaching the Word of God. And in one day, 3,000 souls saved and baptized and added unto the church. He invested in those that would be able to teach others also. In Timothy, of what what it says, says the same. Commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter six. What happens is faithful men increase in servant leadership. Acts six, verse one says, "In in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, okay, there's already the disciples were multiplying. There arose a murmuring of the Christians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration." Okay, we, just, we see that Paul writes elsewhere in Timothy later on. Um, he talks about taking care of the widows that are widows indeed, that are about 60 and faithful to one man, their whole line, and they were destitute, and that the church would take part in helping and care for them, the widows, and the widows would find a place they would minister in the body in the church. Um, at times, they would watch the saints' feet, they would lodge strangers, and they would minister to the body in those ways, and the church would financially support them. We see here, though, the Grecian widows were neglected. So some were being taken care of, some were not. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Okay, it doesn't make sense for us to focus on feeding the widows, individually, personally. Okay, they're not saying it's not important, but they say, hey, you know, we've been called to preach. We've been called to preach the word. He says, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The church was in the thousands and they needed more leaders in the church. The apostles were like, "Okay, you know, if we just stopped teaching and preaching the word and we were focused every day on feeding the widows, then that part of the church would be hindered. There wouldn't be the multiplication of disciples. It would just become a social welfare organization of only just taking care of the widows. And so they didn't say, "Why sleep like the widows?" Says, "Okay, we need some more men in leadership to serve in this way that we may appoint over this business." But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, and to saying, "Please, the whole multitude." And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on him, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith and so now the leaders had more leaders to take care of these other different needs and what was the result the word of god increased you know the preaching the delivery of the word of god it increased and spread like wildfire and, and and we see that the disciples multiplied That would not have happened if the pastors were themselves focused just on taking care of the physical needs of the people, but by selecting other servant leaders, equipping them saying, hey, hey, you have the responsibility for this, and then they being men full of the Holy Ghost, men of faith, and they ministered and took care of those needs, the Word of God increased and the disciples multiplied. While well, the pastors were able to specialize in ministering the word and prayer. Okay, with our theme of commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also, it's so why I'd like for our theme of focus to be is where I'll really be committing myself to faithful men in the church. A wife will be committing herself to faithful women in the church. So, you will be able to teach others also. This includes in teaching the man, teaching the woman to teach the gospel to others, to present the gospel message. Wednesdays, beginning on February 21st, I'm going to be doing this series. Obviously, um, everybody, men and women, children come on outreach. I'm making outreach personal. Making evangelism where it's personal, where we are personally involved. You want to learn to be faithful and giving the gospel like we all should. I was a command, not a suggestion, to go into all the world to teach, to preach the gospel, to, to um, be witnesses unto his name. On um, Wednesday starting February twenty first, we're going to be teaching on evangelism. You'll be teaching unfaithfulness also in worldwide missions. Something to pray about. You know, something I pray about, I ask you as a church family to pray about. I think it's time due that we as a church, any that are able to go, um, that we would go on a missions trip. And I just talked with a missionary. I am told we are starting to get to Papua New Guinea, that's probably going to be out of reach financially to try and send a big group. Um, doesn't mean God can't provide a way for us to do that, though. No, we go by faith and trust God and do what we can to go. But pray about going to Honduras um, to um, help missionary Jason Tate out. He's a missionary, he's been faithful to Honduras for a while. Um, and they have all kinds of things that we can do over there. We can help teach and minister to people, help pass out tracts, pass out Bibles to people in the community. They have buildings that they're building. They're building a Bible college. They have a Bible college already, but they're needing more buildings built. And so there may be someone in the church that you have some skills in building. And they maybe could you go on a missions trip with us and be able to help build their buildings. But, well, you know, it's in Jeremiah, it says, my eye affected my heart. You know, when Jeremiah saw the people, he saw the need. His heart grew for further. And I believe that when we send people from our own out, it's going to be a financial sacrifice. Again, we need to maybe go we'll fundraise in different ways, uh, maybe start saving. Uh, and, but being able to go on the mission field and see the need, and see the people that are ready to hear the gospel. You know, Paul and I were just talking the other day. You know, we had a guy that visited us on Wednesday night, uh, this one day, um, and he was um, talking about in Africa. And so he said, he said, I find the odd oh, the churches there in Africa are full, but the churches in America are empty. You know, the harvest is, this Bible says, white in the harvest. And if Paul goes, maybe that's why the missionaries go there.
1: Everybody's
0: filling the, the, the rose They're coming in. And that may be the case. And if there, if there's people there ready to hear the word. You know, the Bible talks about, yes, going house to house to teach and preach the gospel. We see, the apostle sees not to teach and preach the gospel house to house. But Jesus did say, if they give you peace... They say, you know, stay here, abide here. That like they want to be taught. They want to hear. There's this earnest where They want to receive what you have. Then he says, go not house to house. Just focus there. And on a mission, go to different places. It's right for the harvest. There's people ready to hear the gospel. There's people ready to ask you. Yes, could I have a Bible as well? And may we be a part of that. And that may and that enlarge our heart, where maybe we'll be able to give more unto missions as we see that need. But be in prayer, you know, choosing possibly February and March, they said, that's typically the best time when airline tickets are less expensive summertime, they're more expensive as there's people around the mm-hmm. world that go on other missions trips. But this time, said so the weather would be nice as well, but, but mostly the price would be less as well as for the hotel that's there. But be a prayer, you know about, maybe the Lord would enable us as a church to go on a missions trip there. Um, he's gonna be teaching Jason Faye for our Easter Sunday. Um, usually pastors do the Easter Sunday, but we're gonna have a missionary um, here, and I think it'll be exciting um, to um, have them um, come and teach and preach and kind of give us a glimpse of the vision um, of the work that's there as well. And one thing that um, Russ told me the other day, we were at the ministry retreat and I was asking him "Is new new in Christ. You know, Is there something you're really wanting to learn from the word of God? And he said, you know, in fact, I just really want to learn a all of the word of god i can you know i just want to learn and then he goes well you know what pastor actually you know I had a mission speaker that we had in 40 years he goes i would like to learn how to teach the bible to others it's kind of the start of what made me think of this thing it's him the baby christ wanting to learn to teach others the Bible?" And he says, so that maybe I could go on a mission trip with you someday and be profitable, be something that I could do and teach the word of God there. And that's where the Bible says, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so starting in February, the second Sundays of the month, 10 o'clock, so Sunday school hour and stuff. We don't have a regular Sunday school right now. But we're going to, the second Sundays of the month, I'm going to have a class where we're going to teach men, faithful men, that want to learn to teach others, to teach the Bible. And this doesn't necessarily mean public speaking behind the pulpit. It's going to involve that. I'm going to teach on how to prepare a sermon, how to interpret the Bible, how to um, tips on delivering a sermon. But it's also going to be applicable for you learning to teach one-on-one, teaching the Bible, for teaching, leading your home, having family devotions, and then the ladies will be having the Bible study at the same time. My wife's still working on that, but part of that will involve teaching faithful women to teach other women and children as well. Go and open your Bible to Titus chapter two. We're almost done. Titus 2, verse 3. The Bible says, The age woman, likewise, that they be in behavior is become of holiness, not false accusers, not giving you much wine, teachers of good things. And here we see the woman, they're called to be teachers of good things, that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands. To love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And the women are to teach other women in the church. Okay, that doesn't mean just the pastor's wife. Okay, well, she'll teach the ladies, you know what? That maybe this will um develop into where we can have more teachers. Okay, men and women where we can maybe we'll have more teachers of uh, children's Sunday school classes. Maybe some men to be able to teach the Sunday school class for the adults, maybe throughout half the year, maybe after the end of the year, and we'll be able to have more developed teachers. Okay? Where it's not just me teaching and preaching, but that we'll have another spirit-filled servant leaders in the church who are able to teach others also. So being prepared for that, it's going to be the second Sundays of the month. And of course, we'll be sending out reminders and announcements each time. And um, this first one, uh, I don't know for sure, but I'll probably be teaching maybe on for, for, for interpreting um, the Bible, how to interpret the Bible. But um, being prepared for that, second Sunday will be at 10 o'clock. And I'd also like to do maybe once a month, um, maybe be a summer thing uh excuse me on how we would get signed up but well my focus as a pastor is to be on prayer teaching and preaching the word you know if you find a pattern in scripture that fathers would teach their sons would teach their children usually their trade. you know most likely jesus learned to be a carpenter it's in the flesh of course jesus is the master carpenter he created everything but most likely he worked with his father his stepfather joseph um, um, as a carpenter because joseph was a carpenter now all you men women you have different traits you have different skill sets that we could be passing on to the next generation and I think that'd be fun for them to learn as well but learn how different. Hard work. Um, You know, John works with middle, Okay, you know, maybe teaching the kids some things about welding or different things about that. Maybe Andrew could um, have the kids come over at his place sometime and maybe show them things about a plane and talk about what it's like to be a pilot. Maybe could be teaching the kids how to start a campfire. All kinds of different things. Um, Isaac, maybe teaching the kids. How electricity works and um, teaching them how to replace an elephant, but investing in the children. And so, we could do this maybe once a month, could be a Thursday night, Friday night, could be a Saturday. Um, it could vary depending on when um, people in the church, different people maybe are available. Call it Boys of Hour and Girls of Virtue. Um, maybe some of the classes will be together, maybe some of them will be separate and be on different topics, but to teach the children basic life skills and trades. And that you'd be you'd be faithful and faithful women, to teach others also. And then the children in State grow would be ready to learn to teach others. And so just throughout the year, you know it's going to be my focus is committing to faithful men. Committing to faithful men we will be able to teach others also. And it's my prayer that we would multiply, that the Word of God would increase, that we have less empty seats and more seats full. Not because we're focused on filling the place, so to speak, but now we're going to see souls that are saved, souls saved and people baptized and added them to the church. You know, the Bible does not give a recipe for us on how to stay a small church forever. We see a multiplied disciples. It wasn't really by addition here. It was by multiplication. That is one person would be rich. Okay. Then that would be me, maybe teaching them how to reach others. And then that both him and the other person and I go and try to reach more people for Christ. And then as they stay, get saved, and they stay pro and don't just stay on the milk of the word, but to grow thereby, and then to be able to feed on the meat of the word, they also be able to tell others about the gospel. And then you see the
1: disciples
0: multiply. Commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Let's go ahead and pray for a time of invitation, it's um, a music place, and just spend time in prayer. That maybe there were some, some things as I was teaching, preaching, maybe the Spirit of God brought to your mind, maybe an area you would be able to teach others. You know, maybe it's going to be teaching children, maybe it will be teaching adults. You know, we also do a little bit breakfast. Different menu often give the devotions for that. Maybe there's a trade you have, maybe volunteer to be be a part of teaching children and other adults different things. (coughs) Let's decide ourselves that we will be faithful, that we want to be a faithful woman, or a faithful woman of God. No, it's an under-shepherd, said a pastor, I intend to never show favor to simple, to anybody. Bible talks to all, have no respect unto persons with partiality. However, it pretty much goes without saying that the pastor is committed to faithful. Those that are faithful, those that are involved and served, it's naturally going to be where the pastor is going to be spending time with them more, not to try as to choose favorite friends in the church, but simply out of a heart to be committed. To faithful man. May it be faithful and that you could be able to multiply under disciples. That they'll be able to teach you. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, more that you help me to be a faithful pastor, faithful under Shepherd. Be a faithful father, a faithful husband, a faithful man to seek after you, God. Help me, Lord, to better equip the saints for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. And we pray, Lord, that you call people to teach the word, be involved in the ministry in different ways not as the the word says we're not all the mouth we're not all teachers and that our heart isn't simply to want to teach to have influence or power as the bible says um we be not many masters for we shall receive the greater condemnation and there's a greater accountability when we're learning and teaching And we don't just try to put ourselves in those situations, but as we're faithful to you, Lord. As we see what we saw with the deacons, and we saw you do with the apostles, and those that were faithful when you appointed them. May we teach your word with fear and tremble. To make sure that we teach it accurately, faithfully, not to take it lightly. Let's pray, Lord, you help us to be a faithful Faithful and to be committed, and to looking for the lost sheep. Those that maybe are gone astray, and maybe need help being back, brought into the fold. As the disciples are increased, as the teachers are increased, then there's more than one person looking for the lost sheep. But we assume. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you would bless the food uh, for our shared meal pop-up this afternoon. Pray, praying where you bless the fellowship in the food. In Jesus' name, amen.